0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan, presented by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 48. If you're listening to this on the day we've released it, that means it is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, election day in the United States. And while this is a global podcast with a global audience, we encourage everyone to vote and let yourself be heard. Agnostic of your personal positions, voting and the right to vote, is something that humans have fought very hard for so don't let apathy or depression or lying pieces of shit take that away from you also this week marks the 10-year anniversary of the passing of andy irons on november 2nd 2010 i was with the tour in puerto rico when we got the news and listeners to this pod will know that ai remains a mammoth figure in my life as a surfer And his influence on the broader surfing world is still being felt today. I think it will for a long time. Do yourself a favor and check out some footage of him if you get the chance. All right, episode 48. Our guest today is someone who grew up in one of the more hypercharged surfing situations on the planet. An intense childhood at home led to an intense adolescence in the water. From QS battler to big wave world champion to father musician... Public speaker and vlogger, he unquestionably has a story to tell. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with the North Shores, Makuakai Rothman. The good old clap, take one. That's right.
1: How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest?
0: We can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put him up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. I thought you were boxing. <laughs> Makua Rothman on the lineup. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. Thank you so very much for having me, man.
1: Aloha, guys.
0: <laughs> Surreal times in 2020. You know, how are you doing today? Where are you? Who are you with? Did you serve? What's been going on?
1: Uh, Today, I actually, um, it's kind of a rainy day. I was going to go fishing. The winds turned west. Uh, It got smaller. The last few days was awesome. We're awesome. I actually went to a meeting for my bagel company, Bonsai Bagels. Um, I had a Bonsai Bagel meeting, and I went to my valley. I have a farm up here, and um, we went and did um, some soil analysis today, got some soil to analyze. And then uh, I had a call with Nikki and Marissa from WSL, um talked about some potential brand partnerships and uh, now i'm here with you guys on the lineup
0: man you've had a busy day already i feel like i need to get my act together i'm not doing half <laughs> you guys have had a good early season over on the north shore though right
1: we had a one or two little swells i mean it wasn't really anything to write home about i guess so uh, guys are getting real anxious to take waves around here and stuff but uh <laughs> just saying <laughs> you know um yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been average. It's not, it hasn't been anything special. It's been wonderful to have waves as beautiful with nobody around. We had some good early season swells with just us. So can't complain every day above ground, especially here in Hawaii is a, is a blessing and a beautiful day.
0: That's the truth. But you mentioned everyone's getting anxious and, you know, a couple weeks ago or geez, maybe it was like 10,000 years ago. Time's kind of a flat circle these days. Uh, your younger brother Koa posted a video kindly informing everyone in advance that he'd be taking any wave he wanted at Pipeline this winter. And has taking any wave he's ever wanted at Pipeline ever been a problem for him? Because I feel like I'm not an expert, but he seems to go all right out there.
1: Yeah, I wasn't really too sure. You're going to have to ask him about that question. Um, I guess he's uh, he's a young bull. And um, she, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's his... Uh, his plan for the winter and um, I, I hope he sticks to it you know he, he put a big statement out there so um, my brother's one, one of the best surfers at pipeline period so I'm not sure ways he missed that got him to <laughs> say that but like I said that's his that's his program that's what he um, he uh, proposed to the world and he's gonna have to live up to it
0: <laughs> he he did mention there's a few, few people that he won't hop I, I presume you're one of them
1: I just don't understand because there's not very many people that aren't his boys that sit around him that deep, at pipeline. <laughs> so I'm not sure who else goes back there. But hey, like I said, more power to him. I love him on my heart. That's my brother. And I will back him 100% uh, through battle or whatever comes. And, um, you know, I love my brother. Is a big inspiration to myself as well. There's a lot of times where I wasn't doing good in my own life and things that I had to overcome. And, you know, my brother always kept me young and hungry and I never wanted him to beat me you know what I mean? Because my whole life he looked up to me and he became his own man and set his own path. And, you know, I had to buckle down and, and be more like him, which is cool to have a younger brother to aspire to as well. And being such a wonderful kid and such a respectful boy, I, I don't understand the, the comment, but he's, um, he's growing up and <laughs> you're going to learn and you're going to put your money where your mouth is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? I think, I think between that and, even just you outlining what your day is today. And, and I'm so excited for this conversation because I was kind of going through it and I've known you for a while and, and the surfing world's known you for a while. But it's a really interesting as a jumping off point because when you look at your career, you know, everything from, you know, North Shore mega talent to QS warrior to big wave world champion, you know, benchmark performer in the big wave community for years, musician, vlogger, there's so many things. And, and I was wondering you know, if you had to describe your career as it is in 2020, if someone asked you what you do, how would you describe that?
1: Oof. I would say that I am a uh, multitasker. <laughs> 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 um, well, you know, it's uh, surfing's the base. Surfing pays the bills. Surfing is what I love to do. I didn't really, you know, I wanted to be a running back in football and different things when I grew up in surfing was just part of my life. My ancestors created the sport surfing, you know, and um, being the 12th great grandson of Kamehameha, it's a royalty kind of thing in here in Hawaii. And I just love to surf and it turned into something that was pain. And uh, like they said, you'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do. And I love surfing with all my heart. It's who I am. My name Makua Kai. means father of the sea. I think it's just uh, the journey that I was put on. And Everything else, the relationships that I have now in business and music, it all came from surfing. You know, my first album produced by John Feldman, who was an a you know he's an amazing singer, Goldfinger band, Tony Hawk songs in the Tony Hawk video, and um, mega producer. He loved to surf, and it was a thing where he was like, you know, this to someone like that, that gets paid I guess millions of dollars when he produces someone because he produces such big bands. To so someone like me. I think the love of surfing uh, tied us together and brought Mm -hmm. us closer and made that relationship happen. So I'm just, uh, I'm a a surfer that does a lot more things and singing has become one of them. You know, in 2011 and 12, my strength and conditioning coach, Rob Garcia, was like, oh, please, I was going to break camp. I was in like a six week camp and I was like, maybe three weeks in. He's like, man, you're halfway in camp. Don't go to Indo and catch the same wave that everybody else does. The same. What? What is that going to benefit you? 1,500 other guys are going to go surf Desert Point, catch the same barrel, do the same thing, and you're going to be a one-dimensional same guy you always were. I mean, to grow upon things, you know, Oscar De La Hoya said it when we were training, you know, because Rob was De La Hoya's training conditioning coach as well. You know, the real money you're probably going to make outside of surfing. You no know, surfing is going to pay your bills and take care of family, but you want to make real money, you got to get that stuff outside of surfing. And music has become one of them. And to me, it's trippy because my whole family, my whole life, um, has been around music. My mother's a, 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 a hula dancer. My grandma and grandpa are musicians, hula dancers. My grandma's sister owns the biggest Hawaiian luau company, Tihatis, in Hawaii. So my whole entire family and. Hawaiians communicated through music before language, you know, so that's in my blood and it's become something that I really love to do. And and I can touch the world, touch people in different ways, not a creepy way, (laughs) but in ways that surfing will never do. Surfing will never, you know, touch, have... I mean, I guess it it can because when people get in that ocean, it's so special, but it's such a limited thing for people to get out there and actually get to experience it. With music, you can turn on the radio anywhere you are in the world. And music has the ability to change the world, I think. It's changed the world many times over. Different people have come in and and a certain song is here to the end of time. It has that feeling. So, you know, I guess my job is to spread aloha whether it's through surfing or music or relationships or public speaking. It's just um, bringing that aloha spirit to the world and make people feel that because they might not have a word for it in other cultures, but aloha, everybody has aloha in their heart. They just don't know it because they might not have a word for it. We have a word for it. And I'm just grateful to be able to be someone that has the opportunity to spread that to the world.
0: It's a really interesting way that you framed it. Um, you know, there's a book out there right now by David Epstein called uh, Range, and he talks about um, like generalists versus specialists. And his argument is like, look, there's a lot of people that become specialists and they focus on one thing and they be, try to become the very best at that one thing. But because they're so focused on one thing, they're ceiling to getting as good as they can get. It's pretty low. As opposed to like, they take what they like from that one thing, they put it into something else. They get very good at that other thing. And then they put what they learn from that other thing back into the first thing and around and around and around. And it it sounds like you've done that with your career in a lot of ways in the sense of you've used surfing as a jumping off point to have these experiences and have these other interests and get very proficient at that, right? Whether it's business or music or Mm -hmm. public speaking, whatever it is. And that's not always the case in surfing. I think you and I probably know so many people that like they just get hooked on surfing. That's all they want to do.
1: But uh, to a certain extent, because you are going to become older one day and your Superman surfing status will come down. It's just what you do as you get older. And A lot of those people like Tom Brady, he always played football, became the best. So that book, I said, you know, there's a scene of how good they can get. Mm. You know, Some people become the goat at one thing and they put all their time for all these years, but eventually they're going to have to transition into something else, whether it's just kicking back and having fun. But having that being so good at something, and once you get to a certain level, I feel people have the obligation to pass the knowledge, the confidence building, the self-confidence and all that stuff onto next generations. You know what I mean? So you can become so good at one thing and all... You know, I, don't, I never read the book, but sooner or later, you're going to have to transition into something else. And I think that if you do get so good at something, whether it's business or whatever it is, you should share that with other people because other there's a lot of people in this world who are shy, who are timid, who mm-hmm. are afraid to fail. And we need to show that there's been a lot of failing that you might not have seen for me to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And to bring that to other people and share it and give someone hope that feels like they're nothing and they're less than and they can never be this until you can be this, you can be that person. You know what I mean? And that's a lot of the stuff that I like to do nowadays. Um, you know, like we said, my brother made this comment back when I was younger, I did a lot of stupid things. I, I got into a lot of fights. I was a super punk and it's I'm human, you know, and I messed up and I know that. And at least I've been through those experience, experiences and got to the other side. Mm -hmm. And now I want to share with the next generation of how to spread Aloha, how to be, I mean, not even how to be, just give them the confidence to be themselves. And they, you know, they figure out how to be, you know, I can't tell somebody, Oh, be like me. This is how you got to be. I want to be able to give them the confidence to say, I want to be me. And from them being them and genuine, they'll find that happiness and they'll be able to be you know, as, as good as they can be because they have the confidence to go out there and go get it and uh, not be afraid to fail. I,
0: I do want to get to this uh, transformation that you've hinted at in your own in your own life, but maybe let's, let's wind the clock back a little bit. And I want to talk about where you grew up and what was the community you grew up in? What was it like when you were growing up on the North Shore, some of your earlier memories?
1: Oh, well, it was pretty fucked in the beginning, to tell you the truth. Excuse my language. I don't know about swearing on this podcast, but...
0: We fucking swear on this podcast.
1: <laughs> well, you know, being a son of Eddie Rothman wasn't always the easiest thing, you know. I mean, he was indicted on multiple charges, facing I don't know how many years, five million dollar bail. So he tells the judge, hey, make it. Once you raise it another million, you can call me the six million dollar man. So you know, have the highest bail ever in Hawaii. That being said, I mean, seventy-two police officers to arrest one guy, busting, smashing down our door, um, holding a gun to my head, don't oh, fucking move, I'll fucking kill you. I'm like, I don't, what do you mean don't move up? What is a four year supposed to do? I'm going to cry. I'm going to run away to find my parents. I don't know what is what, you know, and you know, treating my mom the way that they did that day um, really had a shitty start to life. You know, the, the PTSD, the traumatic stress that that put on my body really led to a lot of, um, I can't say that was the reason it led to me making bad choices, you know, and anybody that been through it knows that there's no blaming anybody but yourself. You know, and, uh, it it was pretty shitty. Uh, I grew up on the beach right behind my house here, right where my dad's house is right next to it. I, I lived in a tent. Um, we didn't have no house, you know, dad was in jail. Um, I lived at grandma's or uncle's. Um, it was, it was fucking junk, you know, my mom and my dad divorced and they had a really, really bad time. Uh, you know, my grandma's brother was supposed to kill my mom. Um, you know, he even told me when I got older, you know, boy, lucky for you, I loved you. Cause I have the same name as him, Makua Kai. And uh if it wasn't for you, I would, you know, I would have killed your mom a long time ago. And he's dead now. But um, you know, to tell a boy that that your uncle was supposed to kill his mom, you know, stuff like that, it was pretty, pretty fucking shitty. And I'm so blessed that I had that life here in Hawaii and I had the ocean and I had my friends and I had I had a lot of things, even though I didn't have material things like houses and all these shit, I had great grandmas, I had great aunties, I had great uncles, I had great friends around. And it didn't take, come to me until later on in life to understand that I did have things then, you know, felt like I was the shittiest kid in the world, you know, and having um, underlying things led me to... Ultimately, you know, do a lot of partying, doing a lot of fucking stupid shit, drinking, drugs, whatever it was, you know, in a a certain time of my life, it was, it was fucked. And um, that's why I'm so blessed to be here today, being a world champion, being a world cup champion, you know, taking all of that shitty experiences. And it made me the man I am today. It made me go through hard times. It made me go through fucking shitty lowest of lows and to get to where I am today and to be hungry. And one of the best things I ever, uh, one of the things I always loved was when people said, "Oh, well, you're only going to be like your dad. You're only going to be like your mm-hmm. dad. You know, people tell me you can't eat surfboards. What are you going to do? boil the surfboard and eat it? And being a fat kid with asthma, it, it was shitty. I was teased a lot. And I really love making people eat their words. You're never going to be this. You'll never do that. I became a world champion. I became the world cup champion, came a world towing champion. Um, became a father. And not only a father, I think I'm a great father. A lot of people tell me you're such a good dad and um, being given the opportunity to share a better life with my children and watch them not have to go through what I had to go through. And you know, a lot of the things that my dad did, he had to do it for us to have a better life, maybe, you know, and that was the cards that he was dealt in life and there would never put no blame on him. And I'm so thankful that he did do what he did. And He is who he is because I wouldn't be in this position in life as well, Mm. you know, because um, at a point there, you know, he is the guy, you know what I mean? And you came here and you showed respect and, um, but he had to go through a lot of things and he has his own story, but um, yeah, you want to know how I grew up. I grew up pretty fucking shitty and, um, but nowadays I realize that I actually had a really, really awesome support group around me and everybody that helped me through those times. I love you guys.
0: It's such an, I mean, thank you, number one, for being so candid. And then number two, the thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, your dad is, um, you know, world famous, you know, maybe maybe infamous, maybe notorious. That's that's the way. (laughs) And on, on one side of that, like people from the outside looking in are like, as you said there's this expectation level for for people in his family for his sons um to deliver whatever they do right because there's already this global recognition for someone like your dad but that notoriety as you as you described also comes at a price you know like there's there's real cost for someone like yourself having to go through shitty situations so it must have been doubly hard going yeah like everyone knows who we are everyone thinks we have all this stuff we have nothing. You know, so not only do I have to deal, there's just a huge delta in expectation from from, from people.
1: Fuck people's expectation. That's what I say. That's why I love proving them wrong. And I never let that part of it get me down. You know, people got to understand that, especially nowadays with the internet and the stuff people write on, like, people get so caught up in their own life about, oh, my God, they think this of my family. They think that of him. And people, like, live their lives around what other people think. It's insane. And that's one thing my dad always taught me. You be you, boy. You don't worry about nobody else but yourself. You do you, you're going to be fine. Trust me. I've been around this world a long time. You know, and a lot of those street, a lot of that street sports that my dad gained through his hard life, he had, you know, look at him. He's a five foot, what, Jewish guy that came here and got the respect that he earned with coming from nothing. I mean, You know, he definitely went to trials and tribulations. And a lot of times he said, boy, you only walked down this road once. You're not going to get another chance to do this. And I've been down that road. I know it's down there. You can go down there if you want. I'm just trying to help you out. You know, and it was always like, dads, I fought with him. We had our disagreements. And, you know, it's all about dads aren't going to steer you the wrong way. They're not going to want to see their son go on a shitty path. And if you do that, that's on you. And, um, Yeah, All that he said, she said, pressure on me. I just kind of did what I had to do. And um, we're here today. Like I said, it's it's all up to you and how you uh, take that pressure and how you take that, uh, how people perceive you and, you know, like what you're saying, your family infamous, this, that. Yeah, and what? Fuck you guys. You know what I mean? At a certain point, you got to say that because if not, you're going to start living your life how these other people dictate it. And that's not right.
0: How's your relationship with your dad today?
1: Oh, I love him. He's right there on my wall. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, my mom is such a strong, wonderful lady as well. We can't forget my mom. My mom is uh put a lot of this talent that's in this body comes from my mama. And she didn't have the easiest best time either. And whatever happened in the past and between us, we put it all behind us and I love her and and now she has the chance to be there for the children. Um, Like I said, my mom is lucky to be alive, you know, through those times and things. And sometimes when she wasn't around, I was mad at her, but I understood that it wasn't her fault, you know, and there's a lot of people in this world that can relate to not having a mom or not having a dad or this or that. And at the end of the day, you've got to look deep inside right here. And what is it that you want to do? What legacy do you want to leave behind? What, can kai be on his own two feet and not blame I didn't have a mom. I didn't have a dad. That's why I did this. No, you didn't do that because you made a stupid choice. And a lot of people don't have moms. A lot of people don't have dads. And they choose to cut through the bullshit and make it happen. You know? So, there'll always be that lonely little void in there. But I'll tell you that, being a little boy and not being able to see your mom or your dad, and it it hurts. You know? And I don't think it ever goes away. But, growing up and understanding and really looking into why these things happen and and understanding and forgiving a lot of it goes to forgiving uh what happened in the past and move on
0: yeah and i mean as you said too like i'm i'm a father as well like i think it sounds like you've taken that and said well you know i'm gonna take the best of what i learned and the best of what i got and give it to my kids and not try to give them the the worst of me which is kind of what we all try to do right (laughs)
1: Well, it's always a good plan. There's no book for parenting, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so we can always say this, 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 and that, and next moment it's that. So, you know, even being a parent, we all have our flaws, you and me both. You know, we Mm -hmm. mess up here and there, and there's things that we could have done better that we were going to do better next time, right? And as long as we have the best interest in the children and make sure that they're taken care and loved. I mean, a lot of things I see nowadays, children just aren't loved. It's not because they're on their iPad or they're on this, it's because their parents are too busy on their iPad or at work and they come home, dip, 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 don't talk. Oh, I got to do this. And the kids are just stuck on this pad. I mean, I just see a lot of the problems and stuff with the younger generation nowadays is they weren't genuinely loved by anyone. There was always almost a burden on parents. And I feel that that could be a lot of the reason that, you know, things happen in, in children and, Speaking from my own experience, you know, I really think that genuine love, that really holding your son or daughter tight and kissing them and really telling them how much you love them every day is a big part of them. I think hopefully my children grow up to be wonderful people. I don't know yet, but I'm going to try my best to show them as much love as possible. I think more important than anything as well.
0: Makes me think of, I, I can't remember where I saw or heard, or, or, but Bobby Martinez recently said something about parenting too. And he goes, you know, like, I hear a lot of people like, I have to take my daughter to do this. I have to take my son to do that. And he said, like, I just changed it to say, like, I get to take my daughter to do this. I get to take my daughter to do that because I want to be there, you know, and I feel like I'm very fortunate that I get to do that. And that sounds like a real similar pivot, you know, that, that you're acknowledging as well.
1: Well, you know, Bob was one of the real ones. He speaks his mind and he speaks the truth, whether people like it or not. And we've all, we've all seen that. And um, you know, Bobby's a dear friend of mine, and he's he's just he's I feel, you know, he's uh, that California style of how we are. You know, we get down, we do what we gotta do, and we stay true to ourselves, regardless. You know, the people sell out way too fast a lot of the times, and they do what other people want them to do, and they live that way, or they try and be like someone else. It's like there's already a, that guy, mm. you can take what he has in his program and do it yourself, but people are trying so hard to be like someone else that they forget to be themselves. And nowadays there's so much bullshit and fake stuff, fake, whatever you want to call it fake news, internet stuff, this or that, that you get caught up real easy and people can really see a genuine person that's doing themselves and not trying to be like someone and that really cuts through, and it'll show. You know what I mean? It, it's something that really stands out nowadays. If you're, if you're, if you're a real one or not.
0: It's it's so interesting in surfing too, because out of out of almost all the communities and culture, you think that that would so the surf community would have a lot of individuals and a lot of people with confidence. But in a lot of ways. It is a lemming culture, you know. You see people that they dress the same way that the one person that's the most popular is dressing, or they do the thing that the one person that's the most popular is doing. And as you said, when there are kind of true originals, they cut through it with real impact.
1: I'll tell you right here. You see this right here? That was a true original. There's so much this and that about our company. At one point in time, and Pat Tenori, and all of us believed in Pat's story and his his vision. And uh, Ruka is now probably. I think, the premier brand. And in the beginning, a lot of people said, oh, the skinny pants, the this, the hipster culture, the blah, 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 blah. Like I said, we were us. We stuck to the script. You know what I mean? Guys like Pat tanari they're real people. You know what I mean? And they do them. And I think that's why it cuts through. There's been a lot of brands that have tried to copy it. Mm. There's a lot of brands that tried to do their own thing. There was the big five. There were the big companies. You know what I mean? And they're still there. But who's making the most noise? I think on the streets is Ruka because right. of the real life people that he he built this program, that artist network program, and the way that he cross promoted the people and what we did there at Ruka. Like I said, right there in the surf was one example of somebody mm-hmm. that didn't try and be like anybody else but themselves. Brother Pat, and he built one of the greatest companies to go down in history. Is one of the greatest action sports brands, but it was a lifestyle. It wasn't. A, it was more of a lifestyle. And uh, um, then any kind of a brand, you know what I mean? We brought, he brought the uh, coolest people together from different genres so far away and found a way to make them fit together and and built something that was amazing.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that assessment for sure. Let's talk about, I I want to get back to what you mentioned before, physical metamorphosis of Makua Kai Rothman. You mentioned you were an overweight kid with asthma, how did you grow up to become a big wave world champion, one of the most physically demanding I- I- professions on the I- history has ever seen? So, so what what were, sure. what was the process? What was the process for you to kind of overcome some of those earlier physical limitations? I just
1: got lucky. Um, the timing was right. I guess you can say. Um, Derek Doner, Buzzy Kerrbox, Laird Hamilton, good old uh, God Himself. Nah. Um, <laughs> You know, Laird was, um, God of right creamers. here, yeah, Laird was right here. And he, um, and those guys created the sport of toe surfing right outside of my house. I mean, paddling, big wave surfing was always cool. I grew up on the North shore and I just, you know, I couldn't do the errors. I couldn't win the contest. I couldn't rip like these kids, but I could surf bigger waves. They didn't want to do what I did. So there was something that I could do. You know, I didn't back in the chop hop was in, or, you know, the little, you know, tail slides were like, Oh, a big thing back then. You know what I mean? It was like, Well, I caught an eight-foot wave. I paddled out to 12 foot sunset. You know, I was just a kid. So there it was something that I could do that nobody else was doing. And you look you look back at it, you know, there's the Jay Moriartys, myself, and not too I mean, Eric Diaz, you know, Kaika Kalama maybe, but back in those days, there was no young kids aspiring to be big wave surfers. They just had it was just a timing where surfing was at the time that I came in, I was a young age and, you know, being a breakthrough performer in 2002 and almost winning the, the world cup of towing surfing at 16 years old. Like, no, no, none of the, no, none of these guys out there. Kyle Lenny was still a kid, you know, like baby probably back then. And, it was just good timing and that it was something that I could do that nobody else could do. So I could say, I could do something better than them. You know, you know how kids are. Sure. I know I have, I, I know you are, but what am I kind of, thing. you know what I mean? So it was just, um, a sport of toe surfing was, was right here. I had some of the greatest watermen in the history of the world or, or my uncles. And they just seen it in me and said, boy, you ready? You sure you want to do this? Said, yeah. Said, yes, please. And Derek Dorner, those guys took me under their wing and the rest, the rest, was history. You know, like you said, it was pretty much myself and Jay that were pushing the forefront of big wave surfing and there was no other kids doing it.
0: There's that, that movie fight club where, you know, they talk about like fight club became the reason to like, you know, cut your hair short or trim your fingernails. And it was this like motiva- motivating force was big wave surfing and your own physical fitness. Kind of the same thing was that I, I have it in me to surf big waves. I'm good at this. I'm going to push my body to, to train, to surf. Now is was, was there sort of a cause and effect there for you?
1: Well, for me, the asthma I had to play, I played soccer, water, polo, surf, football, uh, baseball. So I had all these sports in high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, around ninth grade, I couldn't play football anymore. I so, uh, hurt my knees, my knee playing. Uh, and then uh, I played water polo a lot, all the physical activity. I played uh, soccer all the way through. Uh, through 12th grade, water polo, soccer, baseball, and surf. And my dad knew that keeping me physically active was going to keep me alive because my asthma was so bad. I was sick eight months out of the year, mm. wheezing on the ventilator machines, you know, in the hospital. in and you know, I took seven different medicines four times a day, and I think that attributed to the extra weight I had on my body because a lot of the stuff is steroids.
0: Steroids, yeah. You know,
1: yeah. and when you take it as a young kid and you don't take it anymore, you tend to blow up. You know what? And um, I I think that big wave surfing was a thing where my asthma really thrived because it made me have strong lungs. It made me, you know, I was free diving. You know, myself and Mark Healy grew up right here, right in the back, battling each other for years. All the kids around here, it's all we did. The next generation under us, that's all they do. You know, and it's like um, it's just it's just a way of life. Big wave surfing when you're in Hawaii, and some kids gravitate towards it, and some kids gravitate away from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I just was lucky, like I said, to have a father and these uncles that were in that groove and seeing something in my eye. They said that they didn't see in the other kids' eyes back then. You know, it was uh, this kid. He's a little different. I don't know if it was the trauma from when I was young, but I was a little bit. I still am. You know, I'm not all. I'm probably not all there. <laughs> People that know me, I'm a little different. And uh, but it makes for a good story. It makes for a good, um, a good. Strong mind when it comes to having to put your something, put yourself in harm's way, and know that this could be something that could be fatal, hurt you really bad. I've been through a lot of shit when I was young, and this mm. was fun to me. This was something where I th- I, I would thrive. I loved yeah. it—the feeling of catching that wave and being out there on these massive, beautiful—and there's no—and back then, mind you, there wasn't as many guys towing and all that stuff. The lineups were wide open, mm. you know. So having that. Ability to surf by yourself on a massive, massive wave which just like, ah, that's all I could think of. I couldn't sleep, I'd be up, waking up, double D, I'd be getting the jet ski ready, I'd mess it up, you'd come on all packs, why'd you touch the ski? Ah! you fix it all back <laughs> up. But it's just something that I just turned into. You know, it was a it was me, like I became it. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: And I'd imagine that the big wave surfing, you know, dovetailed so nicely into that focus on body health as a priority for you, which probably includes, you know, your diet and exercise and maybe taking kind of supplements to support performance abilities. And a component of that that's been really, really new to sports medicine lately is that application of CBD. And I know that CBDMD is a sponsor of yours. And I was hoping, could you take us through a little bit of what role they play in your recovery regime? How'd you get started with them, and have, what have you noticed, uh, you know, since you started working with them?
1: Well, I'll tell you the truth. It's not that far away from me. Funny you say <laughs> that. You know, CBDMD. You know, they were in the forefront of jumping into surfing and. Um, being a risk taker, I jumped on board real early. If you really do the research and see how beneficial CBD is for your body, there wouldn't be any sponsor out there, I don't think. I wouldn't want their athletes to be on it for sure. It's a really great product for you. You know, and we sponsored the uh, JAWS event. It was the first, I think, CBD-sponsored event in the surf world, and WSL partnered with it. So I'm happy that we're part of all of this, you know, and I... I I kind of became a liaison between the surf world and Hans and everybody. And I put Jamie O'Brien on the team. I got Nathan Florence on my team. I got um, Zach Noyle on there. I was working on getting my brother on the team. So yeah, CBDMD is moving in an awesome way. And and the product is from your own life. I mean, anything that you can put on recovery, you know what I mean? Rub on the sore muscles, Um, internal. um, There's a lot of different ways that people can use it that are still skeptical. You know, there's a lot of different applications, even for your pets. You know, a lot of the older pets, they really suffer from a lot of um, aches and pains. You know, just being an animal, I guess, it's a lot different than humans. So they have an awesome pet line. Um, This this product has helped me a lot through my anxiety as well. You know, having that PTSD from that young age. knowing that you're going to surf hundred foot waves, you know, the night before you get a good rest. Um, I know my muscles are taking the product really well in the last four years. I can really tell a difference on even my mood, you know, it really keeps me nice and steady. You know what I mean? I don't get all, you know, there's so much products out there. You take it, you're here, and then you're here and you're there and you're there and you just get so scramble. where CBD is such an even perfect product that, um, I'm, I'm sure one day it's going to be legal across the board it has to be.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think what you said before is like you look at like a couple of years ago and the stigma against anything in that space versus what's going to happen in five years. And I think you're totally right. Like people getting in early is this they're getting in ahead of the curve and it's going to kind of transform how people treat injury, how they treat kind of day to day health supplements. We're going to get a word in from our sponsor and then we're going to get a few more meaty topics on the table for us. We started out talking about, you know, how you define your career in 2020, and, and I want to get to kind of these these really impactful things that you're doing now. But you talked about, you know, coming to a realization that the way you wanted to surf was in big waves and that there were, there were moments where you realized, like, this is my path at the moment. I'm wondering if there were were similar moments for you when you transitioned into becoming a musician or, or a public speaker. Were there times in your life where all of all of that, you know, you still do. You still surf small waves, you surf big waves, you're a musician, you're a public speaker. But were there moments where you said, okay, the focus of my life is now shifting into this space and this is where I feel comfortable?
1: has yes, when I became a father, you know, I really knew that through all the traveling and everything that I've done, because I've gone a lot. Like you said, music, speaking, surfing, ambassador of brands, you know, I got to be here and there, um, businesses. I really knew that how important the role of a father can be to a daughter as well, mm-hmm. you know, not being absent. And, um, that was, that was one of the biggest transitions of my life was when I had my children. Um, other than that, the music and everything, it always went hand in hand. I always played music. You know, I always was, wherever I was in the world, I had my ukulele with me. So I just had to, more than transition, It was more prioritize my time and use my time wisely and really be efficient with time. Because we only get so much time in a day. We only get so much time in a week. And almost, we only get so much time in our life. I need to make sure that the training was there for the surfing. And the training also helped me in the, in the music industry. My lungs, my confidence, everything. Training fitness and being good to your body is probably the most important thing on planet earth. Health is wealth. I don't care how much money you got, you're sick, you're fucked. You know what I mean? And knowing and dedicating that time to training so that ev- all of these other aspects can be run at hundred, 110%. I think transitioning into time management, training management, and knowing when and where and what choices I have to make. Sometimes I have to sacrifice this for that. Is it the betterment of my bank account? Is it for the betterment of my career? Is it for the betterment of my family? Mm. You know, it becomes really complicated when you have children. You have a lot of different avenues. I mean, a lot of guys have one job. They wake up at four. They go to work. They come home. They know that they have this much time to spend with their family. And that's it. There's, I mean, it's not that complicated. You know what I mean? But yeah. I chose to complicate my life, which <laughs> is a good and bad thing, but I enjoy it. I love it. And it's who I am. And I was, like I said, back to that, staying true to yourself, I do what Makua Rothman wants to do. And as long as nowadays it's going to make sense for the family, monetary sense in the career, it's going to help the career go. Those are the choices I'm going to make in life nowadays. And if it offends anybody, good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: On, on the, the music side of things, do you ever get nervous playing in front of crowds? I love
1: it, man. You know, the nervousness for me, it's like, I'm up there having fun. Like I get a chance to sing in front of a bunch of people and you know, it's crazy. I notice like a microphone, put your hands up, put your hands up. put your hands down, put your hands, move to the left, move to the left, move to the right, move to the right. So it's like, it's fun for me, you know, and I try and send a good positive message. I don't have too many uh, negative songs. You know, I, I like to have that upbeat, happy feel. I'm working with a lot of great musicians. I just released a single called um, Real Life, oh, Real Life, Real Love. This came out on the, um, October 16th, Real Love produced by John Feldman. Um, and then I have another project coming out with um, Leslie Ludiazzo and um, JP Kennedy of The Green. Um, we've been working on a lot of new things and um, gonna have some a lot of great music coming out, I think. And, along with my web series. You know, I got my new web series up on YouTube. It's called Makualoha. I um, know only fitting my name goes right into it. And uh, yeah, it's been an amazing journey to um, transition into, I mean, especially nowadays, it's so important to create content to stay relevant. All lot guys, I'm not going to sell out and be a vlogger. It's like, why am I selling out? I'm just making sure that I stay current with the times. That's all. Guys are trying to make money obviously and do this and that and but push this thing so hard. If you watch mine, it's just me being me. You know what I mean? And people are, are getting it. That like it, this is a real thing. This is not something you're trying to clown around or be some clown to make money over here, you know? Mm-hmm. I can use my own music to tie into it. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a good time in life right now, man. I'm enjoying with my family, I'm making music, I'm surfing, it's uh especially without the events right now, you have to stay relevant. You have to stay for your sponsors, for them to get that marketing dollars out of you. You're one Instagram, unless you got 15 million followers, but to get that, you had to have created content. Right. For them to watch and follow. So I think for me, it's a good front project. I get to do with my daughter. I just took her to Kelly's ranch. You know, our next episode will be a daddy daughter day at the ranch. Um, My godson, Tama Barka, and he's six years old if I'm not mistaken he's probably the youngest kid to get barreled on his own at the surf ranch and he got a wave in front of me um, it's just great to hang out Dustin Barco is one of my best friends I ever had I traveled with him on the WQS tour really so he qualified for the CT um, we've been through you know pretty much everything in life together so to be able to go back on a trip with our children together and have fun as at Ohana that was an amazing thing and you know the surf world is is pretty trippy nowadays, man. It it's, you know, it's, it shows a lot of people trans- translating or having to do a lot of different things than they ever had. The money's never going to be the same as it was, I don't think. You well, know, it's
0: int- it's interesting too. I, I think that ties into kind of the the content creation and the media and the vlogging that you're talking about too, right? Because you know we're about the same age. You're thirty six. 36, yes. 36, I'm 37. You know, when we were young... Oh, you're getting old, man. Oh, bro. Yeah, man, tell me yeah. about it. Yeah, I got my kids. I feel fit, man. I just, I just <laughs> follow, follow Uncle Kelly. It's just going to live there forever. There you go. There you
1: the, go. Uh, oh, thank but, you, Uncle Kelly, for inviting us one second to the Surf Ranch. I want to say mahalo nui loa to Kelly. He's always been that awesome uh, mentor to me as well. He's always, you know, took me under and always uh, showed me a lot of things, man. I really want to say appreciate mahalo nui loa very much to Kelly and not just for that, but for being that guiding light to the whole world of surfing and keeping surfing in a positive light. You know, you never really see Kelly saying random stuff off the wall. He doesn't have to. He lets his surfing talk for it. And he's a he's a he's a really good stand-up guy. So thank you, Kelly. And um, especially for all the years of, like I said, inspiring the world. He's the
0: man. That's right. We get to see him again soon. And and, and thank you, Kelly, in advance when you invite me and my family up to the ranch. I'll appreciate that too. <laughs> the um the content thing's interesting, right? Cuz when you and I were young, the the avenues for having a career in surfing is like the, the gatekeepers, right? Where your sponsors, uh the magazines, that's kind of it, you know. And and as you said now, with social media or content creation, people can kind of write their own ticket, you know. They're like, yes. "I I can I can express myself how I want, and if people are into it, I can build my own platform and then you have to come to me." as opposed to me having to go through you.
1: Yes, children, you know, and the new generation, everybody needs to know that. Nowadays, you can become your own brand, you know? And um, you don't have to, per se, um, count on these brands that are out there. You know, you can build a following for your own self and make it to the level of as far as you want to do it. You know, keep it original, you know, keep it being yourself. And if what you do resonates with a lot of people, you have just as much or way more than any surf sponsor could have. You know, you could be a professional surfer sponsored by companies that aren't even in the surf world by creating the right content and having the right following. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's another opportunity. People are like, Oh, there's no sponsors. They're not paying. You know, I heard a lot of people say F the sponsors. They're, they're, um, cutting people and fuck them and this and that. But it's like the sponsors were there on the ground level to build this and help surfers as well. We got to say thank you to every sponsor that came out and every sponsor that ever put money into the surfing industry. Thank you very much. Anything that brought our sport to the next level or kept it on the plateau, we always have to be thankful for. It's just a different time. Like I told you in my timing of becoming a big wave surfer, it's mm-hmm. all timing. Nowadays, there's another avenue and there's a chance for people to do it on their own. And if you really want to get it done, you know, like the rappers and stuff. They really wanted it. Nobody accepted their music, but they wanted to get it done. They made it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I really want to stress that to the, to the generation nowadays. You guys really, really want to make it happen. You do it yourself. You, know, you don't call on nobody. You don't wait for nobody. You be you and you make it happen. I mean, it's one of the most, it's, it, right now in time, is probably the best time to, to make it happen for yourself. This world's going through a huge change and there's opportunity everywhere. You just got to know what you're looking for and where to go because a lot of people are going to say, oh, I don't have a job. I can't this. And that's the an unfortunate, sad reality of this world is sometimes stuff like that happens and we can either curl up and get depressed about it, or we can step up like David Goggins said, make shit happen.
0: Right? Right. Uh, Well, I mean, I'd say you're right on almost every account, you know, like the world's changing, the the mechanisms of power are changing. And if you really want it and you want to go and paddle out and you want to drop in or you want to win that contest or you want to stick that air or do whatever, right? It's on you to go do it.
1: In any aspect in life,
0: you want to be a better
1: carpenter, get out there, do your thing, start your own company one day, slowly by slowly, work at it, keep your nose to the grind and you're going to make it, you know. Consistency is probably the number one key word for anything in life right now, I think. It's to stay consistent in whatever it is you're going to do.
0: Given your life as a globetrotter, you know, as a QS surfer, as a big wave surfer, as a musician, and I'm guessing not traveling as much in 2020 uh, because of COVID and spending more time at home, do you think that's something that's going to continue for you, spending more time at home? And if so, have you thought about your role in the North Shore community moving forward?
1: As soon as I get my chance, I'm gone. Kelly's Ranch. I just been my life for so long traveling the world. I had a really hard time dealing with staying home, but I had a beautiful family. I had beautiful people, and I had a lot of things that I did. You know, I, I turned it into a bagel company. I turned it into a lot of different things. I have a shark boat. You know, Hollywood shark tours. Anybody comes to Hollywood, look us up. You know, there's a lot of things that I've done. Um, during this period of COVID, and um, I want to encourage everybody else to get out there and do it as well, man. I mean, you know, the surf industry unfortunately cut a lot of everybody's pay, and but thank you very much for the support and the platform that they've given us. And we always got to be thankful for that. We cannot forget those that helped us, and um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm digging. So I, I tried to get to Nazare just now, but I flew in from Kelly's ranch and the test and the thing, I just, the flight, I couldn't make it. If, if I had a day or two more, like I was supposed to come home on Friday, mm. but I stayed because I wanted to take my daughter to Yosemite, Yosemite national park. Sure. The bears and the deers and the, you know what I mean? I just did this trip. I wanted to really get my most bang for my buck with, with my daughter and take her and really experience a lot of things. So I had to miss Nazare, whatever. Um, I really don't think it'll change my life too much. Uh, but being the um role, I just think being a bigger role model and trying to set more good examples. I wasn't the best at setting good examples for a long time, and um, I think being a better role model in this community is my is my next. Like you said, you know, being a bi- a bigger part of the North Shore community, I want to um definitely be someone that the kids can come and talk to. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to starting my uh, foundation and um, getting uh, another platform to be able to, you know, have people help me out in helping out my community. You know, whether it's monetary donations, whether it's time, and um, try and get some of these kids that really don't think they have an opportunity or someone of, of some of them that have just had the unfortunate handout to them, be out there and help them out. You know, it's all about our next generation. Who's gonna take care of Hawai'i when I'm gone? Mm. You know, that that's what it that's what it is for me. The now is now, and we have to do what we can now. But if we forget about shaping and molding our future to see the Hawaii that we wanna see after us, we're gonna be in bad shape. So we gotta make sure that we, as America, period shape and mold the future of our country that we would like to see after we're gone because the children are the one that's going to accept all the burden, all the stuff and everything that happens, whatever we mess up, they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever change we want to see, I guess, be that change, inspire, you know, from the past to the present and on to the future. Makua rathman spreading aloha. Let's go.
0: <laughs> I like it. And I, and I think, it. you know, I think that, That almost brings us kind of full circle back and you can check me on this too, but a little bit to your dad, you know, because I think a lot of people know your dad as you know, the hooey and they know kind of the notorious stuff. But, you know, in my experience, not directly with him, but from, you know, the league and he's, hyper hyper active in the north shore community and he really really cares about that next generation is that something that he's instilled in you because i'm hearing kind of the same stuff from you in a lot of ways well when i mean we look at robin
1: hood uh, there's a plenty of different ways you could have looked at robin hood right but what he was really doing was trying to help his people
0: mm. you know
1: so my i see my dad is kind of a robin hood of around here you know he doesn't have any hawaiian blood you know my hawaiian body comes from my mother mm-hmm. and he's done more and been more hawaiian than of Hawaiians around here. You know, like he said, I'm not for sale. I don't care how much money you got or how cool you are, what you are, fuck you. If it's not true to me and not true to myself and what I want to see done for this place, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to be sold out to the highest bidder. Mm -hmm. Like, he's going to do what he thinks needs to be done for these communities to stay as original as possible. You know, without guys like him and the Hui Club... This North Shore would be so different. It'd be so over. It'd be crazy how different in the laws and the rules around here, how they would be. You know, he's someone that's not afraid to stand up first and take the first bullet so that everybody else can come up and have something to say. Mm. You know, everybody else is afraid. Oh, this developer or this whatever guy's coming in and they're like, oh, but he might bring, Pops is going to stand up. He'll be the first guy to say, fuck you. You know what I mean. This is the North Shore. This is how it's going to stay. And it, it's pretty crazy to see like the the North Shore boards and stuff like that. The people that are on it, they're not from here. They're oh, I've been here for ten years. It's like what? And they try and make Hawaii. The 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 thing about Hawaii is, regardless of my dad or if it was the queen that came before us. Problem about Hawaii is people that have a monetary interest here are trying to make it what they want it. And that's really messing it up because the reason people come here, the reason people think Hawaii is so special is because of its culture, its heritage, and what Hawaii is, Hawaiian. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to make it look like Newport Beach or something. Why would you do that? You need to keep Hawaii, Hawaii. You know what I mean? You need to keep aloha, aloha. You can't change it into another word and make it appeal to everybody. It's not going to work. You know, a lot of these big people, all they see is money and dollar signs, but they forget. They're just taking away, away, away the authenticity of this place. And people, oh, I've been to Hawaii. I went to Waikiki. What? That was a man-made built place for it to look all super fancy and cool with a few palm trees and some fake sand. You know, people really want to see that aloha spirit. They want to come out to the North Shore and see some Hawaiian families. You know, really feel that aloha spirit. You know, that's why when we put our Heads together, I mean, it's called the ha. You know, the ha is the breath. And um, that's why people say, oh, howly. Oh, you're a howly. No, it's not howly. It's ha ole. It's the one without the breath. They don't have that, that ha in them. You know, and, and people don't understand how our words come about. They just use them in all kinds. Oh, you're a howly. Oh, like a white skin. What does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with the word. You know, and it's um, people. Forget that this place is special because of what it stands for and what it is genuinely Hawaii. You know, I mean, you guys come here. You want to see, do you want to see, uh, what is that, South Coast Plaza right here on the North Shore, just because the rich people want to see it? Like, that's just going to, people aren't even going to come maybe after that. You could really ruin a place by trying to make it look like somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think it's one of those things too where, you could look at the trajectory, and I, I can only speak for the ASPWSL, right? And you take a look at it in the last few years, and it's gone from iterations where it's been really big, huge structures on the beach, maybe not as engaged with the community as it should have been, to moving forward, that just not being, A, what we should have been doing or what we should do moving forward, you know? Like, I think when you do that, there's a bit of an imperialist component to it, where it's like, we're not here bringing the world's best surfing to this community and bringing their best surfers in and and having it be this beautiful melting pot of performance. Like we're coming in and and putting a stamp on things that maybe we shouldn't, you know, but I can hear that. Oh, go on. Sorry. No, I mean
1: with the ASP, um, Oh WSL, excuse me. But, um, you know, like I said, timing in, in certain times in, in evolution or certain times in, you know, our lives that, you know, people make mistakes, you know, come people come here or oh, we're the ASP. We can run things how we want and this and that. And we put who we want in the contest and whatnot. But that was then. This is now. The WSL is doing such a wonderful job of trying, reaching out to the community. I think they're really evolving into really, really trying to be involved in the community a lot more. Like, uh, like my phone call this morning, you know, the questions that were asked and a few things, especially with COVID going forward, how to really respect the community where they're not bringing too much stuff in and, and all these things, you know, the WSL is really evolving. And I really think they try their best to put the best foot forward and, and in the community to be involved in their events. And I, I really like to take my hat off to them to for trying that, you know what I mean? And, and it, they have different, you know, how many times has the, uh, the management or the, um, you know, how many times has it changed? You know what I mean? Just, be, just when it was WSL, just this little short time, there's been so many CEOs and this and that and this and that. So for them to really stick and stay the course on something, it's been difficult because they have so many administrators leaving and trying to change it to a new program that the core people that really do stay there and the people that I have worked with, I can only speak from my own experience. I really think they do a good job of communicating and, and um, talking with, with us as the surfers, what we'd like to see as well. And like you said, the main thing of working with the community, what the community would like to see is more of the Hawaiian surfers in the events. That has been the issue. It's not been because their stand was too big or they did this too much. It's, I think the number one issue that we've always seen it run into is making sure that the local people get to get highlighted in the local events, whether it's a CT, a QS, whatever it is. You know, I know people have earned their spots on those CTs and surfed through You know, years and years of trials and tribulations to get where they are. The WQS events and stuff like that, I really would like to see a lot more. They took a lot of the spots away, and -hmm. that's one of the things that we're working on. But it's a give and take. You know, it was a lot before, and it got a little bit, and I really see it coming back again. You know, like I said, the the WSL is good at um, evolving and and changing up the program. Um, And I think that this coming year is going to be challenging with COVID. And I think they want to do do what's best for the community for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this coming year, it's going to be a transition year. But I think that framework that we're trying to put in place, hopefully by 2022, with more regionalized QS and calendar seasonality between the CT and the Challenger Series makes a lot of sense. I think what you said before makes sense. Like, everyone here is generally well-intentioned all the time. But I think the big pivot this year, um, if if not the last couple of years, has been, for a long time, I think the organization saw itself as, if people want to enjoy surfing, any kind of surfing, any kind of story, it has to go through us. Mm-hmm. It has to go, and, and what happens there, it's not dissimilar to like what happened in the industry where you get homogenization and you get a lack of authenticity. And I think the pivot now is people saying, no, 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 like we're a platform for that community of Hawaii to be expressed directly to people you know, in a lot of ways, or for this, whatever it is like, and I think that little pivot makes a big deal. I I hear all the, like the passion in your voice about your own community. And I I wonder, do you see yourself inhabiting a similar role to what your father had in the community moving forward, maybe going about it your own way, but it, it does seem like this is something you're really passionate about. Do you see yourself as kind of a community leader on the North Shore moving forward?
1: Well, my dad being who he was, who he is and helping and being involved in so many people's lives, just being his son, I, you know, it's just inevitable that I'm going to have to take on some of that as well, you know, and a lot of it was problem solving that I seen my dad do, you know, so many people would come over with their issues and their problems and he'd always find a way to solve it, you know, and even between the surfers and the WSL, he's always been vocal and, you know, he's had his things with the WSL and, his whole thing wasn't for them not to make money. His whole thing wasn't for them not to run events. His whole thing was for the local people to get the right representation that they deserve. I mean, it's not a big ask, honestly. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he, uh, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. He is who he is. He might not say it in politically correct ways and all this stuff. And that's his reputation, his life. And I'm my own person. Um, I stand for my own values and, and a lot of the stuff that he's installed in us and our family installed in us as kids, we hold those values high. At a certain point, you become a man and you you view the world through your own eyes and you're going to have to make decisions and um, make different... Uh, you're going to have to make different decisions on things in life in, in your, own, uh, your own terms. Oh, you so, got um, Yeah, so I mean, I, I automatically... You know, with what I do as well, you know, I I spread aloha around the world. I'm here to represent Hawaii in everything I do. First and foremost, I'm here to represent Hawaii. So in doing that, in being my father's son, in being a world champion, a WSO, Big Wave world champion, I kind of have this obligation to kind of be someone, somewhat of an an ambassador for this place, you know?
0: Makes total sense. We're going to get to our listener questions and our lightning round. But first, we're going to take another word from our sponsor. Hey, I hear you think podcasts are all about true crime, huh? Well, wise guy, the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts. We got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know. We got Bobby Bones, Big Boy, and Lou Later. We got SpongeBob Binge Pants and Exotic Erotic Storytime. We got Doughboys, Two Dudes in a Kitchen, Green Eggs and Dan. Hey, we got ElfQuest. We got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. So, Makua, we put it out to the Instagram community to see if they had any questions for you, and they had tons, uh, but we picked three. So um, the first question is from Dman365, who asks, what should a surfer traveling to Hawaii do not to be seen as an intruder to the locals?
1: Uh, What should a surfer coming to Hawaii do not to be seen to be an intruder to the locals? Yep. Have respect. You go out there, you go to a spot, you should know your limits and surf accordingly. If you don't know, ask somebody. Um, you, you're you going to see that Hawaiians are probably the most genuinely awesome, uh, how would you say, they open? They welcome you with open arms. You know, come to Hawaii, that word aloha, it stands, it will stand forever. You just ask and surf within your ability. Surf spots where you're not going to get in the way and you're not going to be in the wrong spot and no you know just no basic right from wrong it's not anything it's not rocket science you know you get out there you have respect for the place um you don't take 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 you know give you know a kid's going on a wave maybe it's an awesome wave maybe give the kid the wave his dad might be like hey boy come over here get one with us or you know kind of work your way into the community and and just um just don't be loud and arrogant i mean it, it's just like going anywhere else in the world. You you give you get what you give and like i said just because you're not from here doesn't mean you can't show love love it is that a good answer i don't know man yeah, that's a good answer <laughs> you know it's funny like
0: i i remember reading um i think it's Kalal alexander uh talked about this once and he said hey if you're walking down the bike path and you see somebody instead of raising your chin acknowledge them you put your chin down and that's more respectful and i'm like cool i already do that It's no problem I've got that
1: i mean even even just that just you don't have to cower put your chin down i, wouldn't. I would say aloha hi
0: yeah yeah how's
1: it going how are you aloha not just because sometimes in hawaii this means like well what's up you know what i mean That's it. people yeah. don't understand that but it's one of the things i told the young kid it's like sometimes you got to educate the people because they just don't know you know people mm. have a lot of people don't have common sense give them a chance you know if they hurt you or your family you gotta do what you gotta do but if, let's try and practice what we preach and showing aloha and first try and tell the guys what they're doing wrong and maybe show them a different way.
0: Uh, That's a perfect answer. Second question. Storm and Norman Six asks, does having kids affect your ability or desire to ride big waves?
1: It might affect my ability because I might not be able to make it to every swell that I ever wanted to. But the desire is all... <laughs> people ask me that like, oh, you have kids nowadays. Are you thinking about taking it easy? And... <laughs> I said, the moment I think like that, that's the moment I'm going to fuck up and something might happen to me. I'm going to mm-hmm. give it my all out 100% every time, just like I was single with no kid. I was 19 years old. I'm going to try and serve just like that hungry 19 year old because hesitation is what gets you hurt out there. And yeah. if that day comes, I might just stop doing it altogether instead of trying to slow down or having that, that fire only burning at half light.
0: Do you appreciate it more, like the time management part of it? For Because for me, that was one thing. I actually feel like I surf better because I'm like, I got 45 minutes, I'm going to focus and surf much better because I got to get back.
1: Oh, I just appreciate every moment I get in the water and all <laughs> I'm
0: with you. Last question from the Instagram community. I got a
1: question from you real quick. Yeah. Is there me. any like crazy questions or like kind of really put it uh, on the verge of being... Um, Maybe offensive questions as well, maybe for number four, because I know people like to take the cool questions and don't like to push me to stuff. But I really would like to hear a a real honest question that that may be controversial that I could answer for somebody as well.
0: You know, it's funny is you've already been so candid. You've kind of answered a bunch of these anyway, but we've added two more. So these ones, I think, are pretty good. All right. Uh, Third question from Daniel Simo. Should Hawaii be its own nation separate from the U.S.?
1: Well Hawaii is its own nation separate from the US. It's recognized by the United Nations as its own, uh, its own country, its own entity. Um, Hawaii was illegally annexed to the United States. It's in black and white. it's not I'm not making it up because I'm a Hawaiian. Um, and you know a lot of people think that uh, being its own nation uh, is better than being part of America. Uh, That For me, it's a tough question because I think somebody will try and come and take us over because of the strategic um, importance of our land period in the Pacific Ocean due to the whole war thing with the world. Mm. And if there's any other country, I'd rather be part of America. You know what I mean? Mm. If there's a way for us to govern ourselves and make Hawaiians and our community more money and have a thing where it's a partnership and we get help and we let them rent our land for their army bases and in turn you know the actual people not the government which is crooked here not the federal government the state government i'm talking about the feds i'd rather have the feds running this place than our state guys because they're the crookedest piece of shits ever but um hawaii would definitely love to stand on its own it would. We would love to be our own nation. That being said, I would like to see the support of America more than anybody else because these other countries are really, you know, they, they don't play too nice with people, you know? And um, yeah, that's my answer.
0: It's interesting, right? Like I, I, I it was one of the things that, I appreciated when I started here is the ASP and the IPS, I guess before that and WSL still always recognized Hawaii as its own, so- Hawaii is its own sovereign surfing nation, which I fully yes. back. I wonder about that. Like, in 2020 or beyond, like, is it reasonable that anyone can actually take over Hawaii? Like if, if, for example, if you guys were your own, if you were a separate nation from the U.S., like, who's going to take you over? Like, wouldn't the United Nations step in and kind of say no, no fucking way?
1: Well, we, we, what do you mean, another country or who, yeah, yeah, another, uh, who would be country? our king or who would be our uh, president? Another. Well,
0: I'm interested in both, but I think maybe you said, like, you were saying maybe another country would come in and take you over because of how strategically placed you are in the Pacific.
1: Oh, guaranteed. I mean, look, Japan already came here and tried to take us out. You know what I mean? They, We mm. had to fight, you know what I mean, for Hawaii from Japan. They were trying to take over the Pacific. It's just of importance because of the way this, uh, this world is run. People have strategic places to put their armies, period. I don't care what country it is. You know, it's come down to one country versus the other. There's been war since the beginning of time. And I just think it'd be such a... Guys be licking their chops to get a piece of Hawaii, you know, and own Hawaii. Um, that being said, foreign private equity firms own so much in this space. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, the big lands, the big hotels. And um, I think that uh, somebody would definitely try. Um, but it's to me, sometimes it's ignorant when they're like, fuck America. Get the fuck out of here. Take all your shit. So it take all the cars, all the thing. And we're going to go back to straight we're so dependent on technology and they made us so dependent on other things that it will be hard for it to just be like, it's over Hawaii is its own thing. Take all your shit out of here. Then where we get our stuff from, we're going to have to evolve with the times of the world and ship things in. We, you know, we're so dependent on imported goods nowadays. I mean, if it was back to the older style, we could survive and eat ourselves and travel in our canoes and walk or use horses or whatever it may be to get to the other side of the islands, but um, it's, um, it's 2020. This is the way the world is. And if we wanna become sovereign, we will, we're gonna have to be sovereign and have treaties and partnerships with other countries because we're, the way that the world is run, we're so reliant on imported goods. And I think that uh, whoever does become the president or whatever, however we run the place, Um, really needs to be a very intelligent person because I think there are a lot more intelligent people that could run our country nowadays than the people that do you know some people are really they might be businessmen or whatever but intelligence wise I think there's so many rad intelligent people on this earth especially in America that could really work with the with the land and and um, the businesses in in a a way more intelligent way than how it's being run today but that's just me and the you know, Hawaii definitely would love to at least be recognized as its own country and in and, and our own place, whether we work with America or whoever it may be. I think Hawaii, I would like Hawaii to be recognized as its own country. But that being said, like I said, we're going to have to have um, treaties and stuff in place with other countries or we, we won't work just by ourselves. I
0: Good. I like the answer. All right, so fourth question is a good one. Gabriel P. Silva asks, did you ever get into any fights with other famous surfers in the water? If so, who?
1: I've been through so many fights. I don't really want to say the names because I have uh, utmost respect for those guys. Um, And, you know, those problems lasted a long time. And nowadays with the mellow vibe that I have and and the relationships that I have with those people, I wouldn't want to put them on the spot ever again. The answer to your question is yes. And um, like I said, I wasn't the, uh, <laughs> the, I was a punk. I was a real punk at one time and um, definitely worked hard to change that image. And, uh, but don't take my kindness for weakness because if you fuck with me or my family, I'll fuck you up still yet. But, you know, that's just if I need, I train hard every day um i have a lot of wonderful training partners around me and um yeah i i really want to be that humble warrior that only fights if he really has to
0: At what what age did you pivot you said you were oh
1: man kid. i mean it, it, it was from, i know i know
0: it's ongoing but it was like from wh-
1: the 30s i mean from my 30s on i kind of started to figure out life a little bit more and that I can get a lot farther with Aloha than I can get with these two things on the street, being a punk. And if I wanted to use these two things, I should be in the ring doing that as a professional. And just like martial artists say, you learn that honor and respect through martial arts. And, um, anybody can go out and be a punk on the street. Not too many people can actually go in there and be a champion in the ring, you know? So that's, uh, it's been an ongoing thing. I think for the rest of my life, I will, uh, just like any one of us, regardless of where we came from or what we do, we we'll always try and be better people and better ourselves. If not, we'll end up in jail or dead. And um, I think whether it's me or the guy asking the question, I'm sure that at some point in life, we're always going to try and better ourselves and become a better person than yesterday.
0: Good answer. Final segment. This is the lightning round. It's 10 questions. <laughs> You answer as fast as you can. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless, what would you choose? Twin fin. Coffee or tea? Both. Burrito or pizza?
1: None.
0: Last book you read? The Giving Tree. Best surf film ever?
1: (sighs) Kelly Slater's and John John's and all the greatest ones. (laughs)
0: One wave you never have to go back to. Nazare. Only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Pipeline, back door. Best person to share the lineup with. God. Worst person to share the lineup with.
1: No one. I love sharing the lineup with people.
0: Last question. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... Loving myself
1: and being true to myself.
0: Makua Kai Rothman, let everyone know where they can find you next. Where should where should people check you out?
1: Right there on Instagram at Makua Rothman. I will be uh, I'll be everywhere. I got albums dropping. I got bagels coming. I got shark boat tours coming. You guys want it? You guys got it. Subscribe to Makua Aloha on YouTube. Makua Rothman, like I said, at Makua Rothman everywhere. Love you guys all. Ahoi
0: ho. Right on, man. Looking forward to seeing you on the North Shore in a few weeks. Thank you. So that's it. That's the lineup presented by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold's Conversation with Makua Kai Rothman. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out his Makua Aloha vlog on YouTube. And remember, if you still can, go out and vote. This episode is produced by Ryan Fawcett with art direction by Jason Penning. Thanks to both of them and thanks to our sponsors. We really appreciate the support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the to and the native Hawaiian people. I hope you safely, get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the lineup. Our special guest today is Makua Kai Rothman, Big Wave World Surfing Champion from the North Shore of Oahu, recording artist extraordinaire, father of three. Yeah, no, no, you guys do that. Okay, ready? Let me put... Po- <laughs> That's
0: good. That's the whole podcast. We got to do that for 60 minutes, though. We're going to talk there about... There okay. too, too quick.
1: Okay, we're on. Recording, mm-hmm. recording. There you go.